There's no question that the world of work is changing. What's going on with all this great resignation and most recently, quiet quitting? Something is broken and we have the opportunity to help. That's this week on the Badass Agile Podcast. Greetings team. Welcome to the Badass Agile Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Everybody, welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in, for being a subscriber, and for showing up every week. Let's talk about what's happening in the workplace. Something happened during the pandemic. I believe it was an awakening. And once people have been exposed to what's possible, and they see how easy it is to make change, they can never go back. And that affects what we do as practitioners. But before we dig in, let's take just a moment to remember why we're here to create an elite tribe of leaders who truly serve their clients and communities by doing what matters and what works, relentlessly chasing value and excellence like a badass. There's so many resources out there about what you need to do to be agile, but we're focused on who you need to become in order to lead teams. So let's hammer down those fundamentals to create a truly unique and powerful force in this industry. I remember if this episode helps you, Share it with your friends. Also, don't forget to check out my new private podcast called The Badass Agile Entrepreneur. You can also follow us in the Badass Agile Listener Lounge on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram or Twitter. And even look me up on LinkedIn. Also, track what we're doing in Clubhouse. We have great conversations there. So, things were plodding along just fine. We had deeply entrenched traditions and habits and expectations of how work gets done. You go get your parking spot at 7.05 a.m., you hop on the commuter train for your half-hour or hour-long commute, you show up at the office just before 8.30, just in case the boss is looking, you go through your day, you have lunch at 12, 11.50 if you're smart because you beat the lineups, and then at, you know, 4.52, you head on down to the train, you make the journey home, and then you repeat it all over again. What we were finding was happening, though, is that people were always saying, I'm busy, I'm crazy busy, I'm super busy. They're working 10, 12, 16-hour days, and sometimes they're even bragging about it. In the aftermath, families are falling apart. Personal wellness is deteriorating. Health takes a back seat. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic hits, and we cannot be together in the office. So what happens? We quickly pivot to find ways of working digitally, Find ways of connecting using technology rather than proximity. And all of a sudden, a discussion breaks out. If this is possible, what else could change? Do I have to be in the office every day? Is it smart for me to be working this hard? All of a sudden, demand in the market changes. People who can solve remote work problems, people who can help businesses pivot, people who can replace the burned-out workers who have left their jobs, all of a sudden had an abundance of opportunity. So there was this giant shift. Many companies were faced with a big talent gap. Many of them started overspending, overcompensating, or trying outlandish experiments to help retain or attract the staff that they needed. So there's a giant shuffle in the marketplace, not to mention people who quit the game altogether to go start a side hustle or change their careers completely to something that they find more fulfilling. 
For many companies, this created a crisis. But most importantly, it created a shift in thinking, didn't it? When you all of a sudden see, hey, I don't have to follow that same script starting at 7.02 every morning. I don't have to repeat the same pattern. I can start asking questions about what's good for me, what works for me, where do I belong? And we start asking questions of our employers. Why am I doing this? Is this worth it? And when employers start demanding that people go back to the office, we were unafraid to stand up and say, wait a second, why? All of these forces are an interesting, sometimes dangerous, sometimes really exciting cultural shift, aren't they? But then, after two years of pandemic living, another trend emerged. There's a group of people who don't want to quit their jobs, who don't want to switch their roles, who don't want to leave and start a side hustle, but they're unhappy. They're 100% fed up with the way things used to be. They know they're burned out. They know they're making sacrifices that they can't afford to make in different areas of their lives. They know they're not fulfilled. They might even suspect that they're not being properly compensated, cared for, or heard. So instead of quitting, they start slowly abdicating or refusing parts of their job and doing just enough to not get fired. It's called quiet quitting, and it's got its own hashtag. Rumor has it that it started on TikTok somewhere. I personally didn't see it, but it's now a big enough of a thing that we need to pay attention to it. So the premise is you will basically protest your working conditions by not doing the work and not telling anyone that you're not doing the work. You might outwardly refuse taking on extra tasks. You might decline to pick up a piece that a coworker has dropped. In some cases, people are reporting that some choose to just do their current jobs so badly that they don't get asked to do it again. There's a couple of things going on here. Is this a good idea? It depends. There's certain aspects of it that are really quite brilliant. We're saying they were going to vote with our feet. We refuse to surrender our time to do things that might be meaningless or exceedingly unfair or stressful because we're not properly supported, we're not given enough time to do the job properly, or maybe we're just being asked to do too much of it. We're called on to dig into our personal reserves of time, surrendering vacations, family time, downtime, sleep, all in service to the corporation, and we don't really see that much of a return. And knowing that the market could offer us better, rather than being disloyal, will be subversive. I like the idea of the everyday employee raising their voices. What I don't like about it is that it's passive-aggressive. It's saying, yeah, I know you have expectations of us, we're simply not going to do it. It's kind of like a strike without representation. It's taking action, yes, but it's taking action without declaring that you're taking action. It's avoiding the difficult conversation. So how does this affect us as agilists and as leaders? I think as scrum masters and coaches, you're more likely to see this at the team level in a way that managers and executives can't see it. They can't witness it because they're not in the team room. So we might have an opportunity to actually see firsthand what quiet quitting looks like and how it impacts the teams and the business overall. Let's remember something. If a person all of a sudden outputs half of what they used to, there's a chance that that will raise the cost of labor. And when the cost of labor rises, companies don't just absorb that, they pass it on to who? To the consumer. So there's an economic impact to throttling output or productivity. Does that mean we should just ignore it and keep on taking twice the work for not enough pay with not enough support? When a coworker leaves, do we just absorb the overflow on their behalf? We just start doing more and the company gets the savings? 
from the reduced headcount? Of course not. But what we do need to do is properly organize and represent this conversation either to the people arm of the organization or to the executives and leadership themselves. First, let me give some advice to the executives if you're listening. Whether you like it or not, this wave is happening. So the conversation is already spreading through the halls and across the internet. If you don't control this conversation, you lose. By control the conversation, I mean control the narrative. Acknowledge that it's happening. Understand why it's happening. Understand the root causes and start figuring out how you're going to solve it. And if your answer to that question is stop it or you're fired, you're going to continue to lose people. You're going to lose your best people because they're going to see the meaning behind that measure. They'll know where your priorities are. They know what you care about. They won't feel heard. And so they'll take their talent elsewhere. Now, you can argue that people who would do this, who would quietly quit, hold back on their passion and their energy and their output, just to make a point, probably weren't your best, most talented people in the first place, but you could be very wrong about that. What I see most executives and executive teams do is kind of ignore the problem, push it out to individual managers or regional leaders to handle in their own way. And that's going to create a variability of response that'll create a sort of learned helplessness. Nobody knows what to do to solve the problem. You'll create a culture of probably fear, fear of getting fired, fear of repercussions, fear of having your salaries cut. That's going to put a wall up between leadership and everyone else in the organization. Wrong move. You need to communicate with strength. And that strength needs to start with empathy, understanding how we got here. How did quiet quitting originate? Why is something that is seemingly a last resort, a quiet yet clear message that we've had enough and we're not going to take it anymore, happening in your organization? How do your policies and your approaches to leadership making this problem worse? And even if you don't know how you're going to solve it, express that you care enough to try. Too many organizations are responding with, oh yeah, you're going to quit quietly? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to punish, we're going to penalize, we're going to shame, and we're going to take away your livelihood. We're going to kick you out of the organization. That's not how you care for people under your charge. This is a time for leadership to do better, and I'll be blunt with you. I've seen very few companies in the past two years handle any of this with grace and excellence and leadership and heroism. CEOs, you're paid enough to figure out how to do this well. You, as a brand, create the culture and set the tone for your organization, and your people are expecting you to do better. Handle this straight on. Now, here's a note for people in the workplace, for those of you who may be considering quiet quitting. There are a few reasons why this might be a really bad way to go. The first thing is that the response from some companies, like Facebook, for example, has been, you know, we think that there are a large number of people in the org who aren't doing a lot of work and expect that we're going to change our relationship with you. It may be time to say goodbye to those people who have just been swimming along doing the minimum for too long now. In the beginning of this trend, the reaction is going to be allergic. It's going to be inflammatory. So you go on some form of a labor-based hunger strike, and you may find that the first response is to start cutting people. You may find that it has the opposite effect of what you intended, that you'll basically be invited to leave or specifically fired. 
But here's another reason why I think it's a bad way to go. It's not because of the loss of your job. It's not because of what you'll have to say in your resume. It's not because of what other employers might think of you. It has more to do with my personal mission to create heroes. I think that simply dialing back on your efforts is a way to actively reclaim your work-life balance, your free time, your self-respect. That may be true, but at a certain point, I still think you're avoiding the conversation. If you're working in a place where you're being asked to put in too much time, working on tasks that you don't value and not permitted or trusted to make changes to institute your own work-life balance, to make sure that you're getting the most important things done and minimizing waste, if you're not trusted in that, you're working for the wrong organization and you should leave. Rather than just sitting there and coasting and collecting a paycheck, get busy with your search now. Figure out where you want to go next. Figure out what the past few years and the changes that they have brought means for you. Where do you want to go? Start going there. But the final thing that I'll suggest is that from a perspective of everything we talk about on this podcast, everything that we do in The Forge, we know that the only things worth doing are the most difficult things. Maybe it's this conversation, the conversation about change. Maybe it's about bringing the revolution to the doorstep of people who can actually help us make those changes. But most importantly, you don't get anything in life as an entrepreneur, as an employee, as a contractor, as a scrum master or coach, by doing the bare minimum. And as scrum masters and coaches, you have a unique opportunity to bring that conversation, to do the hard thing, to act as a trusted advisor that you were probably hired to be. The more senior you are, the more connected you are to the senior levels of the organization, the easier this will be, the more appropriate this will be. If you see that people are starting to dial back on their contribution, bring those hard-earned empathy skills and problem-solving skills to have one-on-one -on -one communications and ask people, what's going on? Where did it come from? I want to hear your story. Tell me what's hurting. Tell me what's not working. Tell me how we got here. And understand that every time someone surrenders on a task and chooses not to take it on, without first as a team deciding, what are the pieces of waste that we can safely avoid? and reject, there's a chance that you may be putting work on somebody else's shoulders. Now, that's not showing up as a teammate. That's not showing up as a badass. Badasses don't take shortcuts. Badasses don't dump their work and leave it for somebody else to figure out. Badasses say, I have a problem and it needs to be solved, and I haven't heard yet, but I will not quit on the conversation. I will not give up hope unless this is no longer the place for me. In which case, I owe it to myself and to my team to move elsewhere, to a place where my boundaries and my wants and desires are respected, but I'm not going to handle my business by folding my arms in front of my chest and turning my back on my duty. I'll have lots more to say on this, and if you have questions or experiences that you want to share, please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help. Stay tuned. This is a work in progress, and it's a very, very interesting trend in our marketplace, and it's a great opportunity to add some additional value to our clients, teams, and customers. My friends, I hope you found this one enjoyable and inspirational. As always, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at badassagile.com. Check me out on Twitter at badass underscore agile and on Instagram at badassagile. I look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, stay badass.